So your upcoming host, Curtis Sliwa, he lives in a pretty ritzy neighborhood, apparently, as there is an apartment in your neck of the woods, Curtis, that just sold for $3.88 million. So it occurs to me that you could sell your place where you and Nancy live and maybe make off with some several million dollars. We live in a little shoebox, as you know. Why why are you comparing that to three point almost nine million dollars? Well, what would you say that you guys are like three hundred square feet, something like that? Yeah, a little, slightly more than that. It's Nancy, myself, and the the cats, the cats, the cats are the there. Cats. Yeah, yeah I, was, I knew they were coming. Yeah, <laughs> I saw them coming around the corner. By the way, they were great uh, through uh, yesterday afternoon and all night until about four. Nancy had. About 104-degree fever. Yeah, I heard you saying that. She was in really bad shape. And uh, believe it or not, I helped nurse her back uh, to, uh, well, she's okay now. Yeah. Uh, But the cats were all there taking care of her, too. Oh, good. Well, I mean, obviously, as she's convalescing, then you don't want to sell the apartment right now. That's We don't own the apartment. We're renters. Oh, I see. We're not part of the (laughs) uber-rich. First off, how many square feet is this apartment on Fifth Avenue, the other side of Central Park? Well, I think that was, what, 900 square feet, right, at the, the 3.8 yeah, and how million. Yeah, mu- and it's going for how much again? $3.88 million. For just one studio apartment. That's correct. That's what we live in, a studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, right. When they say that the number one issue in New York City amongst all voters, conservatives, liberals, socialists, moderates... Even apolitical is affordable housing. I think that makes the case. I would say so. But, you know, you're, you're kind of nosy. Yesterday was about Flockle the eye, uh, the Owl on 86th Street. Yeah. You know, I was looking for Flocko yesterday. 86th in Columbus while I was running chores for Nancy, who was bedridden. The garbage is everywhere on the streets. I mean, Fifth Avenue. 8th Avenue, Columbus Avenue, Amsterdam, it doesn't matter, 86th Street. They've, they've cut the budget at the sanitation department. They're not picking up garbage anymore. And that's why Flacco is up there, because Flacco's nocturnal like me and is ready to swoop down and pick through the garbage. Yeah, well, look, that may have something to do with it. You know, Flacco needs something to eat. But I got to say, I'm not totally convinced because you've been known to throw some things out there and see if they stick. And it's not always necessarily true. Look, it ain't silly putty, man. I ain't, I ain't advocating that anybody get their kids silly putty for Christmas. Okay, well, that may work, the silly putty. But what I'm telling you is that the other day you said that my father was an actor of some yeah. kind by yeah. the name of J.C. Flippin. Yeah, and then the Wild Ones, no, that, that great, that, that great, by, by the way, you still don't know who the author of the book on the Hell's Angels was. That was supposed to be your homework and no late No, that so was many. Noam's, and it's Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, very good. Okay. But the basis of the Wild Ones was Marlon Brando and Lee Marvin, as bikers, they took over the city of Hollister in California for three days. Right, yeah. But you said that this guy, J.C. Flippin, an established and well-known character actor, is my kin. He is not. What do it's, you mean he's not? That's flipping with an E-N at the end. Well, excuse me. You better flipping deal with, with you, an E-N. You better deal with your news director. Don't try to stick not it on I-N. me. Because it was Noam Layden who told me that. Now, you've had a standing agreement yes. with John Katzmatidi. Exactly. That if you're wrong, you're gone. If I'm wrong, I'm gone. So we have a handshake agreement You said on this guy, J.C. Flippin's my dad. He died in 1971. I wasn't born until 1985. So unless there was some sort of, like, you know, intravenous technology at play there... 
unless you're saying that, you know, the man I know to be my father actually is not my father. Then you have whoa, 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 whoa. Can I get John on the phone here? Do I have to go to Salt Lake City here and figure out your DNA genealogy? Get the hell out of here. And by the way, that reminds me. I gave you an assignment. Since these uh, gangs of car banditos, 500 strong, are taking over cities on the weekends throughout Connecticut, North Haven, uh, what was it, Orange, Derby, and Shelton twice in the same night last Friday night with the FBI there, with the state police, and with the local police, and they didn't arrest anybody. I told you to get in touch with Ned Lamont that feckless week, uh, full like a cheap camera governor. Did you do that? I did. I reached out to Ned Lamont. And his office got back to me and said, actually, you'll have to reach out to the Connecticut State Police. Oh, I'm sure. That, to get a comment. Well, can you do that today? Because okay. I know they're going to come back on Friday and take over the other half of Connecticut. I asked Lamont if he, or his office at least, if he planned a more forceful response to this. Of course And they not. said, you're going to have to contact yeah, the yeah, State Police. Yeah, of course not. Basically, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. We're not going to arrest anybody. That seems to be the way it is in most of the blue parts of the United States in America. And don't you ever, ever bring up that agreement that I have with John Katsimatidis <laughs> that if I'm wrong, I'm gone and try to stick me. John, I have enough enemies trying to do that on a regular basis, Flippin'. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Riffin' Reed. Great song. Absolutely great song. Pat Benatar, raised Polish in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, same place that my wife uh, Nancy was birthed, Polish also. Nancy went out to um, Bohemia in Suffolk County, and Pat Benatar went out to Long Island, although this song she will no longer perform. Uh, The reason being... I have no idea why people flip the script and then all of a sudden decide to discard songs that really made them chart-topping stars. And she was for quite some time. I mean, star of MTV, especially with this song. But the reason I play this is that oftentimes you hear me 
as the Canarsie kids say that all roads lead to Canarsie. Good, bad, and indifferent. You get the good, the bad, and the ugly that have come out of Canarsie over the years. Howard Schultz, three-time CEO of Starbucks, came out of the Bayview Projects right there on Rockaway Parkway exit on the Belt Parkway exit 13. Went to Canarsie High School. Then you have uh, Frank Carone, although not necessarily living in Canarsie. Uh, him and the Carone brothers, crooked as they've been, hanging out in the uh, Thomas Jefferson Democratic Club right there on 92nd and Conklin, uh, where person after person of note in the Democratic Party went to jail for political corruption. Uh, but I digress. Then, of course, you have yours truly, Curtis Lee, and another person who is a contributor here now at WABC, Suzanne Miller. I refer to her as the real estate gal. I believe she went to South Shore. Uh, but she has a podcast that you can pick up, available at wabcradio.com slash Miller. Man, she's had on George Pataki. She's had on uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo. She's had on the Swagger Man with No Plan, Mayor of the Illegal Aliens, Eric Adams. And she's had on the other Brooklyn kid from the other opposite part of the borough, Park Slope, Anthony Weiner, who's my partner on Saturdays, left first to strike four to five, and then he does two hours before that in which he battles all the Trumpers from two to four. So... Both of them were on the stage at Studio 77. And, I mean, they got into it. They started tangling Brooklyn style first. It was Wiener with Suzanne Miller about saving our city. We're losing population. You just got done saying we gained 140,000 people who wanted to come here. But they are not contributing to the taxes. Oh, I'm you talking don't think about so? The, well, they're not paying. Ta- 140,000 migrants are not paying the same no. taxes as the 500,000 people that left. Let me ask you something. When, when those people go in and buy a pair of jeans, they're not paying taxes? I'm talking about the 500,000 people that left New York. And a lot of people have come to New York. It's still the greatest city. It's I not, get that, Anthony. But the point is that someone's got to pay the freight here. Yeah. That, and and we, we have budget problems now. We, we frequently – do you know the budget problems we have after September 11th? With twice what we have now. And by the way – I looked at some of the numbers. The budget, we have a problem with the budget, but there's a lot of dispute about how bad the budget even is right now. Can I ask a question of Anthony Weiner, which I will on Saturday? Why should any of the illegal aliens buy a pair of dungarees or trousers or anything? If they just do it the American way in New York and shoplift, right? They've, they've seen enough Americans go in and out of our stores and shoplift. What the hell? You don't have to pay for anything. They probably wonder, gee whiz. I just saw that guy come out of there with bags floor, Tarjay, didn't pay anything. He just walked in and walked out. Anyway, that was a good exchange. And then their next exchange was about the defunding of the police. And Education and, and, by far gets, gets more and, money and, than anything else in the budget. And defunding the police? Or no one has defunded any police. Okay, so let's talk about the police department. What do you think about the police department? Do you think that they're doing – do you think we need to strengthen it? Do you think we need more police officers? What's I, your I, opinion? I, I would hire more police officers. Okay. But no one's defunding anything. I mean, if, if you want to say that whenever a budget is cut, you're defunding education when you cut the education budget, or you're defunding sanitation when you cut the sanitation budget, well, or you de- – look, every budget in the entire country is down. So that means every police department is being defunded. It's, 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 it's bull, to be honest. Now, 
we have fiscal problems in our city, and the police department is a big part of it. Should we reduce overtime for the NYPD? Yeah, ideally we should. We should hire more police officers to have less overtime. Overtime is the least efficient way to fund our police department. Hmm. Interesting the way he talks in circles. He who trained him to do that, his mentor, his original boss, the schmuck to butts, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. But before we go to that, that's a damn good exchange. I like that. You got to check out the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller, with Anthony Weiner. She's had on, like I said, Andrew Evilice Cuomo. She's had on Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, Mayor of the Illegal Aliens. She's had on George Pataki. And it's available next week at WABCRadio.com slash Miller. Good stuff. I'm going to tear into Anthony on Saturday when we're on 4 to 5 about some of the things he told Suzanne. But speaking of his mentor, who speaks in circles, the schmuck departs Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, you notice how he who can find money under any pillow on a Castro convertible, who can find money in any aspect of the federal government's massive bureaucracy to help any entity. Now, as the majority leader of the Democrats in the Senate, he hasn't come up with Jack Diddley's squat for Eric Adams, who goes with his tin can of Washington, D.C. He said 10 times. Schumer hasn't found any money. Neither has Gillibrand. Neither has his rap homeboy, Hakeem Jeffries. The only time when they get together, they exchange rap lines from Biggie Smalls. But basically, Chuck Schumer has delivered Ugats, has delivered Bupkis. To Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Remember what he originally said about the invasion of the illegal aliens an August ago when Eric Adams was out there on the receiving line giving the illegal swag bags and encouraging them to cross the border illegally and come to New York City and New York State, the sanctuary location for them to be? Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Or however many undocumented there are here. He doesn't care. He wants more and more and more. And by the way, so now he's saying because we adhered to his advice of using marital contraceptions, keeping the population down. You know, throughout the globe, we have 8 billion people, and we're running out of resources. We did all that through Planned Parenthood, but now he's saying, well, because we actually adhered to those directives, our mistake, we didn't produce enough children to become worker bees, so now we got to bring in all these illegal aliens. At least that's what he said a year ago. But he doubled down on that on the Hill just the other day, as they're debating aid to Israel, tied into aid to the Ukraine, tied into more money to prevent the illegal aliens from coming across the border as they are now freely. Everyone knows that something should be done to fix our broken immigration system. But we can't do so by compromising our values. And both sides must accept that they will have to make concessions, and it's going to take some more time to get it done. Notice he thinks that we won't remember what he said back in August of a year ago where his values were that we need to encourage more illegal immigration. No matter how many are here, 
because we need worker bees. We need to exploit them as worker bees. That's really what he was saying. Indentured servitude, call it whatever you want. But Chuck Schumer speaks out of both sides of his mouth. And I would say, Justin Ellick, after listening to that exchange between the real estate gal, Suzanne Miller, and Anthony Weiner on her podcast, and then listening to Chuck Schumer speak out of both sides of his mouth on the continued 14,000 people who illegally crossed the border yesterday from Mexico into America. One day alone, 14,000 people. And he's saying, as long as we don't compromise on our values, so it ain't about closing the border. It's about getting what you want, right, Chuck Schumer? Well, maybe we'll stop using marital contraception to Planned Parenthood. That's what you funded so that we can have enough of our own worker piece. What a kyakyadam! It's the Rip and Read. Talking about... Featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. This is the end. Beautiful friend. It is the end for... This Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Mayor of the illegal aliens. This song epitomizes his first two years in office. Jim Morrison and the Doors. It is the end. Think of it. He goes to the White House ten times. President won't see him. Nobody of significance. He said he was friends with everybody in the majority-proof, veto-proof uh, state legislature. Cousin Stewart, state senate Democratic leader, Carl Hasty, the crooked speaker, said he was friends with all these folks and that he could help. He could get help for New York City. What has he gotten? Who gods? What has he gotten? Bubkis. And he's given us nothing but agita. And then, of course... The city council, which pimp slaps him around through the public advocate, Jumani Williams. We'll get to that in a second. As Eric Adams just likes to always cry like a a little boy lost in the supermarket looking for his mommy. Mommy, where are you, mommy, mommy? He's falling, he's falling so fast and furiously. The lowest polling results of any mayor. In the history of the city of New York, Eric Adams, 28%. And Bill O'Reilly weighed in on that with Sid Rosenberg this morning. He was very cognizant and right to the point about Eric Adams' uh, future and also the here and now. I hope the mayor, Adams, is listening right now. If you raise taxes to pay migrant bills, Mr. Mayor, you're done. You're through. Well, he's going to do that. What do you mean? He has well, to do he's that. Gonna, then he will be voted out next time. Of course. Around. I mean, he's going to raise taxes, and he's also going to slash police in a well, city that's unsafe, fire, education. He's do any of that. Yeah. Because if he does it, he's through. He's going to lose all respect of everybody who lives here. And they'll get another, you know, left. They'll be kind of a moderate left or whatever they do. But Eric Adams will destroy his political career if he does that. 
We'll speak about who uh, may be uh, waiting in the wings. The public advocate, Jumani Williams, who handed the mayor the most humiliating defeat in city council that I ever remember. By a vote of 39, 39 to 9, with three abstentions, the city council overwhelmingly voted to eliminate solitary confinement on Rikers Island. We'll get into that. And... uh, If you make police stops from now on, NYPD, you have to, uh, no matter how unimportant the stop, even if they were asking you for directions, you've got to note the race, the age, and the gender of the person. First off, what happens if the person says, F you, I'm not answering your question, like so many people tell the cops now. They give more respect to a barista at Starbucks who's, uh, you know, getting your double latte than they do to the cops. And what happens, gender identification, somebody today can identify as being um, polyamorous and then maybe all of a sudden the next day asexual. How ridiculous is this? But I'm digressing here. I'm digressing here. We need to understand this guy is totally lost as mayor. A few months ago at a town hall meeting, he talked about how the city would be destroyed based partly on what he did in rolling out the red carpet and welcoming in the illegal aliens. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. What a schmuck. What a putz, right? Here it is, those first illegals that he rolled out the red carpet for and gave them everything. That even our own citizens, uh, down on their luck, poor, impoverished, homeless, emotionally disturbed, some of them veterans, don't get. He gave them, uh, he doubled up on everything he gave them. And naturally, with their own cell phones, their own iPhones, their own smartphones, you have to ask, where the hell did they get the money for that? They beamed images back to their country of origin, whether it was Venezuelan, 40% of the illegals came from there, or the sub-Saharan desert countries of Mali, Mauritania, Chad, Senegal, Sudan, where there are still active pockets of ISIS and al-Qaeda. And actually, they saw, wow, you come to New York City, you end up uh, in the uh, Milford Plaza, the old Milford Plaza Hotel, $400 a night. In the middle of Times Square over at the Roosevelt Hotel, right in the shadow of Grand Central. Of course they would have keep coming. Of course. And you won't take any responsibility for that. So yesterday, he came on with John Katsimatidis, Rita Cosby, and their contributors. And he kept pleading again. This guy's always crying. I'm trying, but I have to do this. They make me do this. The law makes me do this. We got last week almost... Of uh, 4,000 uh, migrants uh, that came to the city uh, last week. When you start getting 4,000 a week, 8,000 every two weeks, 16,000 a month, just think about those numbers. Where we have to ensure that all of their basic needs are met by law, uh, that is why we're in court now fighting about the right to shelter. And people have often asked, well, Eric, why don't you stop the buses? Because we're not allowed to. Point number one. You only went to court a year into this to challenge uh, 
the court order that came out in the uh, Ed Koch administration when the Coalition for the Homeless and Legal Aid uh, took Koch to court. It all happened over the Billy Box situation. You may have remembered that. I think I'm going to devote a program in the overnights as we come into the weekend to the importance of Billy Boggs. There was an African-American woman who was sitting on the grates, you know, where you could be heated in the winter, you know, on a subway grate near a diner over by Gracie Mansion. I believe it was on York Avenue. And Ed Koch with his police guard would pass there every day and ignore Billy Boggs. Named after the former talk show TV host on Channel 5 when it was Metro Media. Remember, you had the midday show. But anyway, she's one day there. She's babbling to herself, emotionally disturbed. And she actually sets on fire a $5 bill. At that point, Ed Koch said she must be crazy to be uh, setting uh, money on fire and ordered that she go for psychological observation at Bellevue. Norman Siegel jumped in of the uh, New York Civil Liberties Union at the time and went on a dog and pony show all over the country. They were on Donahue. They spoke at Harvard. He hired her as a a trainee to become a paralegal in his office. And it was a disaster because this woman had serious emotional problems. In fact, her family in New Jersey said, don't do that, Norman. Don't. She can't handle this. She needs mental health care. She doesn't need to be paraded around. And that imploded. So Ed Koch submitted to a court order uh, over the notion that everyone was entitled to shelter. Shelter, shelter, shelter. We hear that term. And Eric Adams says the right to shelter, that everybody's entitled to that, that he's in court fighting it. No, he's not. After finally scraping the barnacles off his backside and ordering corporation counsel to challenge this edict, agreed to, court-ordered the edict during the Ed Koch years, he's now submitted it to arbitration with the Coalition for the Homeless and for Legal Aid. He's not fighting it. Arbitration means we're going to get screwed. But this is Eric Adams' way of saying there's nothing he can do. Yes, he can. All he's got to do... The next bus that comes in from Texas, courtesy of uh, Governor Abbott, 4,000 a week come from Texas right into the Port Authority. Do not allow them to get off the bus. Give them a box lunch, turn the bus around, and send it right back to Washington, D.C., to the mall between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, and let Papa Joe Chulo and my orcas take care of them. They could put big tents right on the National Mall. So for him to say there's nothing he can do, he's lying. There's too much money to be made on the migrants. There's billions of dollars in all the ancillary contracts that are kickbacks to friends of Eric Adams. No transparency. No bid contracts. Who's he kidding? And then he assured John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby and their contributors last night on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion that, oh, he's going to guide us right out of this turbulence. He, he's going to resolve this issue. I can't speculate um, how we got to this level, as many of the reviews, but I'm just going to stay focused on the mission. Uh, I, I have my legal team who's dealing with uh, cooperating with the review that's taking place. I need to stay focused and navigate the city out of the crisis that we're in. And you know what? I have one 
one gift that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, and that's my ability to uh, compartmentalize series of things that go on at one time. And uh, I have a good team, and I'm going to t- continue to move fo- focus. I, I must navigate us out of this crisis. Oh, I feel so much better. He's like the captain of the Titanic. Uh, the crew alerted him to the coming iceberg. He ignored it. Everybody alerted Eric Adams to the coming fiscal disaster of not only welcoming in the illegal aliens with a red carpet, offering them amenities that we don't even offer our own homeless and emotionally disturbed. And then obviously that served as an encouragement for others to come. People were warning him, not just me, but so many others, including some of his own aides who will remain nameless. I want to be able to maintain contact with them and say, read out Eric Adams. That's right, City Hall. I know you listen to this program. But you now have some folks in your inner circle that relate to me everything that's going on, the chaos, uh, right in the ranks of what he calls his team, Team Adams. And if you think uh, those rats are bad eating the Parmesan cheese, those two-legged rats, you got to be more concerned that they're working with the FBI to send Eric Adams up the river and chains in shackles to a prison for political corruption instead of the way he thought he was going, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, as the face of the New Democratic Party. And his answer about why he took so many trips to Turkey, to Erdogan, who hates Jews, hates Israel, supports Hamas, considers them martyrs, freedom fighters, Uh, Again, there's an easy answer here if you just utilize common sense. Listen to to his answer as to why he went to Turkey, which is mind-boggling. The first time I went was during Thanksgiving. Uh, (laughs) We just picked up one day and said, um, you know, hey, let's go to Turkey. So he said to his uh, son Jordan, let's just go to Turkey. And he ended up going seven times, and I believe... That he was carrying loot out of there from Erdogan. Loot. But remember, what did Eric Adams say early on? He was. I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. So let's look to his son, Jordan, who he's always hiding behind. Of late, Jordan was in Chinatown with some of his key apparatchiks and Winnie Greco. Adams, Director of Asian Affairs, and Wade Lee, the head of the Chinese Chamber of Commerce in New York. And he was asked the question, uh, were you in their company? He says, I have no idea who they are. Well, what the hell were you doing with them over in Chinatown? And then all of a sudden, Eric Adams intervened. You'll like this, Justin Ellick. This is right here. Could I hear what he said about being the Biden of Brooklyn again? Could I hear that again? I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. So he said, my son does not get into my business. I do not get into my son's business. Now, who does that sound like? Sounds like Joe Biden with Hunter Biden. And then he was asked, how did you get that gig appearing on the Albanian TV music competition, which is a knockoff of American Idol? Did it have anything to do with his befriending the Albanian order of the hotspot Celes, where Coleman had his album release party? Is he as friendly with the Petrosian brothers, convicted felons, as his father and does he ever consider that he may have benefited from his dad being the mayor of the city of New York? Now, you would think that's an easy one, right? Of course he benefited. His father was the mayor of New York City. And you know what he said? 
<laughs> no, that makes no sense. Unbelievable. And he said, this is Jordan, his son, I don't have anything to say to New Yorkers thinking something is fishy because I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I'm a rapper and a filmmaker. I don't have anything to do with my father's political agenda. We work in different worlds, but yet ironically end up traveling with the same people and benefiting from the same people. So where is you have Joe Biden with Hunter Biden. They're entwined. You also have the Biden of Brooklyn, Eric Adam, and his son Jordan entwined also with the same cronies. Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Justin and Alec. Bad news for Sid Rosenberg's friend, Arthur Idala. He had joined Team Como and was his peacetime consigliere. But apparently, Michael Corleone, aka Andrew Evilized Como, was very upset that I had cold busted him on Sid's show. And he was summoned to a meeting at the compound of the mansion that Fredo owns, Chris Cuomo, and that is shared by now Michael Corleone, a.k.a. Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Let me take you back to that moment on the morning show. That's why I called Cuomo. That's why I talked to Sedio to come on your show to give your, your listeners a little dose of reality. And the dose of reality, in some I can summarize, is very simple. There was no meeting at Junior's. Uh-oh. There was no meeting uh -oh. at Junior's. Yeah. Uh -oh. uh, you don't want to believe me. How about the New York Post, December 5th? Yeah. In which they said on Sunday, Andrew Cuomo was spotted having lunch at Junior's restaurant with former Brooklyn Democratic leader Frank Sedio, a source who forwarded a photo of the two set. Yeah, I've got the, uh, the New York Post copy here right in front of me from December the 5th. And it does say that Cuomo has upped his public profile this year as he attempts to claw his way back to relevancy, hosting a podcast, speaking at churches, political clubs, and, of course, we put him on. And uh, like uh, Curtis said, I'll read it again. On Sunday, Cuomo was spotted having lunch at Junior's Restaurant with former Brooklyn Democratic leader Frank Sedio, a source who forwarded a photo of the two said. So for what it's worth, and I've been saying this for two days, and I love Arthur, I love him. I really do. But ask me yesterday, who do I believe in this? You or Artie, I never even hesitated. Thank you. I Thank said you. you. And now the New York Post has confirmed what you said happens to be true. And, Justin, this was very embarrassing for Andrew Evilized Cuomo. So he summoned his peacetime consigliere, Arthur Idala, out to the compound in Southampton where they've taken to hitting the mattresses, stirring the marinara sauce, and planning his political comeback. And it was like a scene right out of The Godfather, where Michael Corleone, a.k.a. Andrew Evilized Cuomo, was telling Tom Hagen, the peacetime consigliere, a.k.a. Arthur Idala, he was out. Why am I out? You're not a wartime consigliere, Tom. And he's not. 
Arthur Idala has been put on the shelf. And now resurrected and elevated is Joe Pacoco. Now, you may be saying, who's Joe Pacoco? He has been the wartime consigliere for the Cuomo crime family for years, first from Mario. He came out of Cortland in Rockland County, then went to Wagner in Staten Island, met Mario. Mario said, hey, the kid, kid is a good political leg breaker. And then he bonded with Andrew. And, in fact, so strong is uh, the connection that when Andrew Evilized Cuomo gave the eulogy for Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, his father, he brought up the close relationship of Joe Pacoco to Mario. And my father's third son, who sometimes I think he loved the most, Joe Pacoco, really did an extraordinary job, and they did an extraordinary job with his funeral, and we want to thank them. So Joe Pacoco was away six years, federal prison, for political corruption that obviously benefited Team Cuomo, the Cuomo crime family. But now that he's back at the compound, he's got a job to do, which is helping to clear the path of all the naysayers of Cuomo. Like, for instance, recently, uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo was uh, invited by that same Frank Setio. They're the most crooked of Democratic clubs and the crooked Democratic uh, machine. It was the Thomas Jefferson Club on 92nd and Conklin, uh, where Andrew uh, Cuomo, attempting his resurrection, told the crowd and Frank Sadio that, hey, the problem is uh, the borders and all the illegals coming in and something needs to be done about it. Uh, you know, it's all of a sudden it's Joe Biden's issue. And somehow a lot of folks said, I seem to remember what Curtis kept playing about you. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. The Immigration and Naturalization Service, which is not able to function in New York State or New York City. And now Joe Pacoco is going to straighten out anybody who thinks that Andrew Cuomo believes that ICE are thugs. You either get on board of the Cuomo revisionism train or you have to deal with his wartime conciliary, Joe Pacoco, who swings a mean Louisville slugger and normally takes you out at your kneecaps.